0: you're listening to the mind body musings podcast the show where you can learn the most intricate details about the body the mind and how lifestyle choices link the two to create individual health for every shape and size i'm fitness and nutrition expert maddie moon here to enlighten you on how to live your life in a way that promotes satiation thrivation and self-appreciation hope you enjoy the show and welcome back to the podcast my friends. Today we're talking with a man that's on a mission to challenge pretty much everything that's mainstream in regards to health and nutrition. He knows that the government is misleading when it comes to nutritional factors such as cholesterol, saturated fat, and dairy, and similarly, he also believes the media is preaching the wrong message in terms of fitness and what it means to have a strong mind-body connection. Justin Janoska does not pick sides when it comes to different diets such as vegan, paleo, Atkins, and the likes because he believes every single body is made differently and therefore must be treated with individual care and attention. Justin's approach revolves around reconnecting people back to nature, how our ancestors lived by embracing a sound and basic relationship with the most nutritious foods available to us, foods that are critical to the health of our genome. With this goal in mind, he created his blog, Engineer Your Genome, where he provides guidance and concrete health information as well as individual coaching. I've just recently discovered Justin and his work, and I have a lot of great topics lined up for us to discuss today, so welcome to the show, Justin.
1: Hey Madeline, thank you for having me.
0: You are so welcome. So before I have guests on these shows, I generally kind of um, go through their old articles and their old tweets and kind of just get to know them a little better, and I was doing that last night and I came across a tweet that you had done where you were going through like 10 random facts about yourself and... <laughs> um apparently you're very very artsy. So you're a poet and you're a painter and you I think direct short films and then you're like a health and nutrition coach. How how in the world did you become invested in the health world when you're so like artsy and creative?
1: Oh, I know. It's totally crazy. I mean, I never envisioned uh taking this career path. I went to school um to become an artist. You know, I had every intention of being in film and working on set designs and producing short films, which I did. Um, but it's a very hard road to go down uh, and to make it in the film industry is very difficult. And I was learning that uh, while simultaneously developing a passion for fitness and nutrition. So it kind of just worked that worked itself out. And it was clear to me that I needed to make a transition. Um, so unfortunately my, creative, uh, mind took, you know, took a seat and, uh, you know, I don't really <clears throat> spend a lot of time doing art and painting that much anymore, but it's still a passion of mine. So it's really just for leisure at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, you know, so I put that aside and then I kind of obviously shifted to uh nutrition, got certified, uh, as a nutritionist and as a personal trainer and I'm in graduate school now for my master's in human nutrition. So it's kind of crazy, I you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. it's awesome though. I, I I feel like maybe those two, like having that artsy side as well as an interest in health might kind of be connected because I don't talk about this very often. I don't think I've actually ever said it on my podcast, but I, I mean, I'm an English major and I used to Um, I was a creative writing major for a while when I went to school um, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I wanted to be a poetry major, and my first two blogs were actually poetry blogs, and I've played everything from the clarinet to piano to guitar to cello and a little bit of like sax because I love playing music, and it kind of sucks because I never do that anymore, and it feels kind of like a different part of my life, like a completely separate part, and I forget sometimes that I used to be so invested with both poetry and playing music.
1: Oh my gosh, I totally relate to that. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing guitar since I was 15, and I'm 27, and for a while, I it, you know, I stopped playing because I was so invested in nutrition um, for a while, and I realized that there needs to be balance in life, just like there is With diet, you know, you need to find the things that make you happy in life and find the time to do, you know, these hobbies that you like. So, you know, I kind of got back into guitar again, you know, and I realized I have to, you know, still keep playing. I'm not going to give it up just because I spend most of my time reading about nutrition and studies, you know.
0: That's great. I definitely think that you should, yeah, keep going with that. Because I'm sure it works a totally different part of your life, and it helps you to slow down. Um, and in a way, it's kind of like meditating. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, question: Your what is your master's degree going to be in?
1: Uh, well, it's in human nutrition. Just so it's clear that you know it's on humans and not animals.
0: Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> I'm, not really, I'm not really sure why they needed to put that there, but. No, it's just basic nutrition. Um, but from, a you know, obviously non-conventional standpoint, so it's on the naturopathic side of things. So looking at vitamins and all the natural ways, uh, you know, you can, uh, including homeopathic remedies, things like that, herbs, um, you know, to treat and prevent and cure disease. Um, it, there's a lot of evidence for, for this stuff actually, um, uh, even though a lot of medical doctors will tell you otherwise.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask because when I was thinking of just a master's degree, I was imagining that it was like something with dietetics. And I was like, how in the world do you listen to that all day long and not want to argue with them? So what, what school is oh. it at then?
1: Yeah, uh, it's at the University of Bridgeport. Um, thankfully, most of it's online. So, you know, I'm here in Princeton, New Jersey. So um, I'm spending a lot of time. <laughs> doing a lot of reading and researching, um, but occasionally I have to make a few trips up to Bridgeport in Connecticut uh, to meet with professors and eventually I'll have to take the final exam uh, next year when I graduate.
0: Well, congrats. That's really awesome. Oh, and thank you. Yeah, that's great. Um, so before we had this, before we started recording, we were emailing a little bit about a couple topics we could talk about during this and we came up with three keys to health that people often neglect and don't really pay much attention to. Um what well out of those three, which we'll talk about all of them, which one's the most important one that you think people need to start addressing today?
1: Ah, uh, the most important one. It's hard because I don't like to have a hierarchy. <laughs> okay,
0: then just pick one. Uh, like, <laughs> it's a little roll of it. I know.
1: So <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna have to go with um gut health probiotics at the moment because uh it's just so underestimated and um I don't I don't really think a lot of us um really consider the importance of our gut and its health. Um you know, we kind of deviated from eating fermented foods in the society. Um And that's a problem because, uh, fermented foods are a rich source of bacteria and, you know, uh, you can take a probiotic obviously as an alternative, but even that is a bit scarce. A lot of us don't even do that, you know? So that's why I think it's an important issue. There's so many things and disease that relate to the gut, uh, not just with digestion,
0: Well, can you give us some of the science behind what goes on inside of the gut and, like, what all things are affected by the gut? I know I've heard everything from, like, your serotonin levels to, of course, digestion and stuff like that. But how is that kind of stuff related to to the gut health?
1: Well, okay. So, basically, you know, you, you, you have so much bacteria in your gut. You have more bacteria than you do cells, just to put into perspective. So there's so much going on in that gut of yours. And there's always like kind of like a war of attrition going on between your good bacteria and the harmful bacteria that you're going to encounter on a daily basis. It's just inevitable. So some of these good bacteria, you know, the good soldiers, they're going to die off, you know, they lose. And then, you know, if the bad guys win, that's when, you know, sickness uh, manifests. Um, so you kind of always want to repopulate the gut with beneficial bacteria, and one of the ways to do that uh, is with fiber, which is uh, kind of like a prebiotic. It's basically f- uh, like food for the bacteria. Um, that's why fiber is very important, aside from slowing down digestion and improving satiety after you're eating. Now, bacteria in the gut also ferments the fiber oligosaccharides and sugars, like sugar alcohols and lactose, uh, and things that the body failed to digest. And this is really good because it produces uh, a short-chain fatty acid called butyrate. Now, butyrate's also in grass-fed butter, but when the bacteria produce it, uh, it's really good because it helps upregulate what are called T-cells, which are really important for the immune system. So that's why you know pr- pr- um, probiotics and the bacteria of the gut um, are really important for the immune system because they really just upregulate these cells. Um, and let's see what else. Um, they they do a host of other really good things too. Aside from that, is they prevent harmful bacteria and yeast from colonizing in the gut. They remove carcinogens. Uh, they prevent allergies even. Um, it can help with leaky gut issues and prevent irritable bowel disease. And probably the most novel way to science related to the gut is, um, how it affects the brain and what you were saying a second ago about, um, serotonin and hormones. Uh, a lot of Scientists are now saying that the gut is like a second brain, um, because it connects through the vagus nerve, which is this nerve that connects from the brain to the gut, And it pretty much sends like these signals to the brain to basically upregulate you know serotonin, dopamine, um, and another one called GABA, which encourages relaxation. So that's why probiotics are really beneficial. Such as uh, lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. These two strains, in particular, that have been shown to do this.
0: That's so fascinating. So
1: that, yeah. No. Totally. I know. It's we're just in the preliminary stages, I think, with this research. But you know, it's showing that you know the gut is literally, literally related to your 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 uh, emotions and and can relieve anxiety.
0: And when you say like fiber, do you mean mostly like veggie fiber, or uh, brown rice and oats and stuff like that?
1: Oh yeah, all of it. I mean, it's all classified as fiber. There's so many different types of fiber. You know, you have insoluble and soluble, and there's subclasses between those. Um. So yeah, totally. Uh, fibrous veggies are a big number. Uh, a big. You know uh, type of fiber we want to get. And yeah, the fiber and rice, um, and actually things like, uh, resistant starch, which, um, you find a lot in boiled potatoes is really beneficial for the gut too, and the bacteria. So, you know, these are, these are the type of things we want to get in our diet. Totally.
0: Okay, so I was talking to someone the other day about kefir, and um, I had kefir for the first time a few months ago, and it was the Maple Hill Creamery brand, I think, and it was like really, really potent, it's just like really strong, and I, I liked it, but I brought it up to someone, and they were saying that they, I mean, this person's really knowledgeable, I, I suppose, in the health world, and. They had an argument that they had read some kind of article somewhere. I'm so bad at talking about science. I'm just not good at it. <laughs> but he read an article that said that there were two studies of where people drink kefir and like someone like in the other study didn't drink kefir and they had this going on for several months or something and then they examined their um, the probiotic levels in their gut and there was no difference at all. Is that like complete bogus or is Kiefer really beneficial? Mm. You probably have to read it. I probably just put it in ha- the spot. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'd have to see the study. I mean, there are so many holes in studies these days where you can easily manipulate the data to fit your, you know, uh, preconceived bias, you know? It's not, totally not uncommon. <laughs> but to answer your question, really, um, yeah, there, there is a difference in... Pro- in, in bacteria strains in kefir compared to the standard yogurt. Um, I think standard yogurt has about two to three and kefir might have upwards of 15 to 20. So there is, there is a big difference. Um, as far as, uh, as far as it being better for your gut, you know, I think that's gotta be taken in context of everything else. You can't just, I don't think you can really just isolate, one food and say, okay, you drinking kefir um, versus yogurt now is the gut, like, doing better or worse, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think kefir is always a better option, regardless, anyway, Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Good answer. Next time I will prepare more and actually give you the study so you can see it first. (laughs) I had to find it first. Um, Okay. Okay. So next, the next thing that we discussed about um, another key to your health would be um, like we were just saying, fibrous veggies and the importance of having more vegetables and micronutrients in your diet. It, It seems like today a lot of people are focusing so much on Um, getting their protein in and getting their fat and arguing about if they need to be high carb or low carb. And everyone's forgetting to eat vegetables and to eat plenty of vegetables and the importance of vegetables because we're also focused on what the macronutrients are doing to our bodies. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, yeah. There's totally a shift in our attention towards macronutrients. And I always say um, online on social media, like, well, what about the micronutrients? You know what I mean? We always focus on hitting our macros to the decimal, you know? And we don't even do that with the vitamins and minerals because why? Because it takes too much effort, you know? I mean, the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, we're never going to be deficient necessarily in fiber, or I'm sorry, fat, protein, or carbs, but yet we're all at least deficient most of the time, probably most Americans, um, that is, in at least one vitamin or mineral, um, you know, and that's the problem I, as I see it, because, you know, the, the biochemistry of the body doesn't function properly if there's an imbalance, you know, if you don't have enough vitamin D, you know, it's, you're not producing enough fat and hormones. So know, that's how I see it. So we need to kind of shift our attention towards that and try to make sure that we're not deficient in any micronutrients. Um, And a quick side note is uh, that I like to say is um, micronutrient testing. I just did this a few weeks ago, and um, I think it's something that we all need to do because you just never know otherwise, you know. And uh, I did it through a company called SpectraCell. I'm not really sure how it works. Um, I did it through... A pharmacy, but anyway, Specter Cell is a great company that does it. Um, I'm not really sure if you can do it locally, but if you check out their website, uh, I think it's, I think it's definitely a viable option.
0: Yeah, and what did your results come back as? I think you said that they were like you were not deficient in Um, anything. Yeah, (laughs) I already know everything about you. I just stalked your Twitter, like I. creepy.
1: Yeah, luckily for me I wasn't deficient in anything. Um but I I was actually borderline. It it's really cool cuz it tells you, you know, if you're adequate, deficient, or borderline. And I was borderline for a few like, you know, pantothenic acid, you know, B5 and uh probably ironically um vitamin D, but that's probably because I stopped taking uh supplement during the summer. Which, because I figured I'd be spending my days tanning outside, and that didn't really happen, so that's probably why.
0: It never happens for me. I always think it's going to happen, and it never happens.
1: No. Yeah.
0: (laughs) What about, okay, so what kind of things, like, okay, fruits and veggies are important, but... What happens when you don't have enough? Is it just like an energy play? Does your energy decrease? What what other kind of, kind of things can you expect to happen if you're deficient in some of the most important vitamins?
1: Um well, if you if you're talking strictly about vegetables, um yeah, I mean they're nutrient dense, low in calories. Now, it's really the it's really obviously the nutrients in the vegetables that Other big players and important for health. It's just everything about, uh, you know, regulating inflammation as I see it. You know, you have so much garbage that you're exposed to on a daily basis that, uh, the vegetables have all these cancer fighting compounds, especially the cruciferous veggies, which I'm a big fan of. I wrote a really intensive, uh, article on this, on my blog. Um, because it's something that I think is really underrated. Um, if you want, I can get into that briefly.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> cruciferous vegetables, you know, pretty much anything of the cabbage family, broccoli, kale, bok choy, wasabi, um, radishes, uh, you know, they, they, they have these really important cancer-fighting compounds called uh, glucosinolates. Now, really, to make a long story short with the biochemistry, it, they, these glucosinolates, um, they react with an enzyme and produce a specific isothiocyanate that's relative to the vegetable. So, for instance, broccoli has uh, a precursor glucosinolate called glucocorfanin. Lecorophanin, sorry. And it, and it ends up converting it to sulforaphane, which I think a lot of us have heard of. Now, literally what sulforaphane does is it switches on a gene in the liver that detoxifies toxins and carcinogens. And without it, the gene remains inactive and the body looks elsewhere for detoxifiers. Um, you don't even get that with a lot of other, you know, vegetables like like lettuce, romaine lettuce, you know, or something like that. At least to my knowledge, you know, cruciferous vegetables have a very uh, important role, and they're kind of they're kind of special in my opinion. Um, tomatoes aren't a cruciferous vegetable, obviously, but they kind of they have a, a compound called lycopene, which does sort of the same thing. Um, it switches off a gene in the prostate, which is good because it basically keeps prostate cancer at bay in men. Um, so that's why i like cruciferous vegetables uh you know broccoli is just an example but there are other compounds in various types of veggies that do, they do basically the same thing um and again my article probably, probably would reveal more information on that
0: yeah i'll have to make sure i have the link in there <clears throat> excuse me um Yeah, I think it's great that you are very pro vegetables of all colors because in the mainstream, like society and health and wellness world, maybe not like the paleo, but when we're talking about like the bodybuilding side, a lot of them are only like only eat green, only eat green, like don't eat anything else, and um like no carrots and no tomatoes because those have sugar and sugar will kill you and then you'll die and then you'll never be able to, to compete in bodybuilding so don't do that and it's really annoying because i freaking love all vegetables and i love carrots especially they're like my favorite thing ever and i was always I, I was always so sad that i couldn't eat them because everyone told me i couldn't because they have sugar but um i mean from what I'm understanding, most all vegetables have some kind of, you know, mineral or vitamin nutrient that your body needs, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, every food does, you know, just some in different ratios. That's really all it is um, in quantities, of course. But that's, that's, that's amazing. I've actually never heard of the, you can only eat greens in the bodybuilding community.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, you can have your lean protein. So you can have chicken or ground turkey. And then you can have your complex carbs. So you can have either rice or you could not white rice, only brown rice. And you can have oats, (laughs) make sure that they're the gluten free oats, um, not inside of the little individual quicker packets, but make sure like they're the bulk kind. And then you can have your green vegetable that's either broccoli or green beans, preferably because they make you less bloated. Or you can have asparagus. And then you can repeat that every single day for the rest of your life. And, like, I remember reading a forum at one point where a girl, I mean, I'm talking a lot about carrots, but a girl was like, I really love carrots. Can I eat carrots? And this guy on this forum who had, like, a million followers, tons of followers, he wrote back, well, you can have, like, one or two, but don't have a whole bag, or don't just, like, nosh on them, because they'll really <laughs> add up, and then you'll get fat, and then all of this will be worthless, and it was just, like, really blunt, and then all these millions of people that read that were all of a sudden, like, oh, my God, I can't have carrots anymore, including me.
1: Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> it's so frustrating when we, you know, pick on one food item and and, <laughs> and say it's the cause of all all of these problems when we know that's not true, you know, no, 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 no single food makes you fat, you know, within the second you eat it, you know what I mean?
0: I know. It's yes. Really particular. Yeah. And I think that's what our, you know, everyone's kind of hung up on. And I mean, if you have a little bit of this, you can't have any of that and vice versa. And everyone's fighting against each other on these things. And before you know it we believe that if we have one bowl of ice cream like once a week then you know that's gonna make us fat and then if you have a date night coming up next week then you're thinking about it like the whole week in advance like wondering okay scheduling out the rest of your meals based on that one meal because you think that you're gonna get fat like I totally have been there I've been that person that a month in advance I knew I was gonna be somewhere for dinner that was out of my control and I was stressed about it. And it's crazy because one meal is not going to make you put on weight and it's not going to make you any less loved. And if we could just learn <sighs> to like relax about it, our bodies will learn to digest that meal even better because stress oftentimes makes us feel like we're putting on weight or we're bloated or whatever. And stressing over that one piece of you know food is pointless.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah, you hit, it. You hit the nail on the head on that one. Perfect. You're right on. Um, <clears throat> go ahead, no, I was just gonna say, I mean, to think that far in advance about a meal that you think is going to sabotage your health and your body composition is one thing I've never even thought about that in my life, but um
0: <laughs> I'm weird I'm yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're right, not nah, one meal or not even one you know gram of of that brownie that you're going to eat is even going to really make a difference. It's obviously within the context of the entire day and your calories, you know, if you're eating more than you need, then that obviously is going to encourage, you know, fat gain. But even then is it's, it's a trivial amount. It's, you know, it's accumulation over time that matters.
0: Exactly. And you probably, I don't know if you you know much about like my story in my past, but this will really piss you off. So I have to just share it. Um, so when I did my first fitness show, I didn't have any like, okay, so I didn't get off my meal plan that my, my like coach had written me and the, the meal plan lasted for four months. So I had no variety for four months and it was literally the same exact thing day after day. And I had no fruit. I think I had one banana in the whole four months, but that was the only kind of fruit I had. And then for vegetables, all I had for the whole four months was either microwaved broccoli or microwaved green beans, and that's it. Like, I didn't have any bell peppers, I didn't have... Oh, you know what my... my. Um, my like treat after my show, okay, so everyone waits till after their show to have something they've been like dying to have, and normally people pack in candy bars and like cupcakes and uh cokes or whatever they really i mean probably not a Coke, but whatever they really want, and my treat the first thing I wanted right after my first show was a ginger kombucha like <laughs> i would I wouldn't even let myself have that ginger kombucha for four months. That's how crazy I was. Okay, everyone that's going to be listening to this, kombuchas are so good for you. And the fact that I was scared to have a kombucha and had to wait until after my show means that I was crazy. And, I mean, like, (laughs) then after that, I was so hungry for blueberries. And, like, all I wanted was blueberries and kombucha and, like, grass-fed burgers. Like, that's all I wanted was normal healthy food my body was starving for it and yeah so I just thought you would enjoy that that little bit because
1: I totally enjoy that I mean not to mention kombucha at least you know GT's kombucha the whole bottle is like 60 calories so I mean what are you worried about
0: (laughs) I was worried about the sugar I was okay first of all I was worried about any calories that were not on that little meal plan that my coach had written me. So if it wasn't on there, Mm. I thought it was going to make me gain weight, even if it was a bite of something. Like, I remember one night my family had made, um, it was a special, like, everyone cooks in the kitchen night. And they made, like, bell peppers stuffed with ground turkey and wild rice. And, like, I didn't eat it. Instead, I had my chicken breast with green beans that I had packed in the the, the fridge for, like, two days already waiting for me. Like, I had all my meals ready, and if I had anything outside of that, I thought I would fail at my competition. Like,
1: Ugh, that's yeah. awful. Heartbreaking. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's just no reason to eliminate any of, the, any of that stuff during contest prep. I mean, you know, with my clients, you know, when they're trying to lose weight, even if they're not competing, there's nothing, I don't say, there's no food to be eliminated. There's a place for it all. You know, it's just just strategically placing at the appropriate times to, you know, optimize your goals. That's all it is. You know, it's shifting things around. That's all. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I'm not against competing at all. But if 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 that floats your boat, fine, go for it. But if it comes at a cost of, you know, making you deficient in uh, a lot of minerals and vitamins, then it's not good. You know, I mean, you're... Your body's obviously hurting, you know. If you're not even getting anywhere close to reaching the the RDA of your your my, micronutrients. mm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. So you do competition coaching sometimes.
1: Uh no. All right. <laughs> I I help. I I don't have any at the moment. I don't have any clients now that that are competing that I provide diet plans for. But um, no. I mean, but but you know what. Um, I've been down that road myself in terms of, you know, kind of, uh, prepping for, you know, ultimate leanness, you know? So I know, I know what, you know, I know strategies involved. I know about the sodium, you know, all that potassium stuff and carb loading, all that nonsense. But, um, yeah, I don't have anyone at the moment now, but I, I, I certainly know how to get people ready.
0: Yeah. That's a whole nother ball game. Like, I mean, this field that you're in and that I'm in is the field of health. And whenever, personally, I think that whenever your body is required, especially for female to go beyond a natural level of leanness and to get, um, up to par to the coach's standards, it requires some strategies that are not healthy. So it really is just depends on your personal priorities. Um, and that's totally different. And yes, I have seen your photos. And yes, I know you've gotten super <laughs> lean and shredded and gorgeous. It's just sickening, but <laughs> it's oh, awesome. <laughs> um, okay, so I had another question that I was gonna ask you related to this, and now I can't think of it. And before we move on, I really wanted to think of what it was, but now I'm gonna go crazy. Um, okay, never mind. Thanks, thanks. If it comes back to me, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask. But um, Okay, so the third thing in the key to health is fat and why fat is essential and important and part of uh, our needs. And why is that, Justin?
1: Fat. Oh, my gosh. I love fat. I'd probably talk more about fat on on Twitter than anything. But, um, yeah, you know... we're just to put it simply we're just a fear we're still fearful of fat in this country you know and slowly the tides are turning evidence is coming out showing that saturated fat is is good and you know we can eat it we can eat butter now and you know bulletproof coffee is getting really trendy now and people are doing that so it's it's good it's good but it's not it's not where it should be yet um Now, why is fat good? Well, it has a bunch of important roles in the body, so, for one, it helps you absorb the fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K, okay? Put it simply, if you're not even eating anywhere close to a minimum of 20% of your, you know, calories coming from fat, I think uh, you're not fully optimizing vitamin absorption. you need fats for cell signaling and cell function. You need it uh, as a barrier to help keep certain compounds out uh, of the cells. So, uh, to put it quickly, um, monounsaturated fats like in olive oil and nuts, and omega threes like in fish oil, they help keep the cell membrane permeable, so it allows for nutrients to pass through in and out with ease. Now. That's good and all, but we don't want too much of that going on because then toxins and other not nasty things can creep in there. So saturated fat keeps the cell membranes a little bit stiffer and more like a barrier. So there's you kind of have like this balance between the two, and you, and that's what you want. You don't want one. You don't want to sh- you don't want to put all of your attention on keeping the cell really fluid, and you don't want to keep it not so fluid, like with a lot of saturated fat. Um, so that's why you want a balance of, you know, saturated fats, polyunsaturated fats, which are omega-3s and omega-6s, and monounsaturated fats, like in olive oil. Um, quick side note there. Now, you want also fat because it helps um, with the brain, and the nervous system. Like your neurons in your brain, they have this myelin sheath uh, that's really composed of fat. They protect your neurons. They protect your heart and your brain. And not to mention your brain is composed of like 60% fat. So if you want to be smart, why aren't you eating fat? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, it's important for immunity. It's important for satiety, uh, saturated fat, and cholesterol, actually – um, help regulate your hormones to keep you full. I I never have a time where I don't eat you know, a burger and I don't feel full. I mean, I always feel satisfied after that because it's the saturated fat and the cholesterol that do that. Um, and of course, fat decreases glucose absorption so it keeps blood sugar levels you know, stable and not too crazy. Um, and it's important for uh, neurotransmitters and hormones like dopamine... Um, which makes you feel good to be, And that's, you know, a bulk of what fat does for you. <laughs> think that's the enough reason to eat it.
0: Yeah, I think fat is wonderful and super necessary for everybody. What are your thoughts about, like, okay, so I, it seems from what I've read from you, you're about everything is, is great in moderation and very balanced, but everyone today well not everyone but a lot of people today who say you know fat's good it also comes with a very tiny print that says as long as you eat low carb and it's like really small it's like eat everything you want all the fat and then like off on the side it's just like but make sure you don't eat carbs so what about you what are your thoughts about eating carbohydrates with fat um kind of like i wouldn't say zone but having you know, good amount of fat and also having a good amount of carbohydrates. What do you think about that?
1: Well, um, I think it's all relative to your goals because, you know, you can have a high-fat diet, that's fine, but something's got to give. You can't really have – it's just a matter of numbers. I mean, you can't have your diet composed of 50% fat and 50% carbs, you know what I mean? So Mm – um, you know, generally it's like, yeah, if you're gonna have a high fat diet, it's gonna be lower on carbs, no question. A protein really should never be too high or too low. Um, I shouldn't say never, but you, it's always gonna be sort of in the middle because you need protein. It's the most important, you know, macro, uh, macronutrient in the body. Everything runs on protein, it's made of protein to some level. So, you know, if you're doing low carb, fats are great to, you know, increase in your diet. Um, you know, you're definitely going to get, uh, your energy <laughs> from the fats. Um, but it definitely helps with body composition changes. If you're trying to get like super lean, um, you know, staying low carb is definitely gonna, definitely gonna help for that. Uh, um, yeah. Every otherwise, if you're just looking to have a healthy, balanced diet, you know, keeping everything is every stable in, in kind of the middle is is kind of my approach. Um, I have nothing against carbs. There's nothing wrong with carbs. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily I'm not against the keto diet, but it definitely has its benefits. But um, I don't jump on the bandwagon of okay, we need to, you know, carbs are evil because they cause, you know, there's a lot of People in the in the science, scientific community saying carbs are bad and showing that it's cause of Alzheimer's disease and you know whatever neurodegenerative diseases and it's like well I don't know I, I don't like to jump to conclusions that quickly but um, God, carbs are important I think for a lot of reasons um, and depending on your <clears throat> your activity level. No way you're going to be able to, you know, squat and deadlift running on, you know, 100, at least effectively on 100 grams of carbs or less. You know what I mean? So overall, balance
0: mm-hmm.
1: for all three macronutrients.
0: Yeah. I I completely agree with that because, I mean, when you're talking in terms of ratios, it makes total sense. You don't want to have 50% fat and 50% carbohydrates because, as you already know, but just so everyone else can hear again, you know, carbohydrates are a primary sense of fuel and, you know, fats are a sense of fuel as well. So whatever you're not eating isn't going to be used as efficiently, if I'm speaking correctly. but. Um, it is important to have a balance and based off off your goals. So, like, whenever I'm having a heavy lifting day at the gym and I'm doing squats, I eat more carbohydrates and slightly less fat. When it's an off day, I eat more fat and I eat um, slightly less carbohydrates and just very balanced. And I'm no longer – like, I used to. I used to be like, okay, all protein, nothing but protein. Like, low fat, (laughs) low carb, that's it. And it it was funny because, like, that's how my – attitude kind of became I became much more like I mean from what I've read protein will really ground you if you have a lot of amounts and kind of make you a meathead and so when I had mostly I mean I was not regular at all and I was kind of just acting like just super super grounded but not very like um fun and to hang around and just extremely focused on my competition goals and all that stuff. And then once I started adding back in fat and some carbohydrates, I mean, this could just be a mental thing. I was all of a sudden happy because I was living again. But also I noticed so many different changes and differences in my digestion and my energy levels. And then of course my strengths at the gym. So it's my only rule of thumb today. Like I don't count things anymore. I'm not counting every once in a while I will count my macros just to see where I'm generally at, if I'm like kind of staying where I wanna be or whatnot. But usually I just go by what I'm doing for that day for my activity levels. Like if I'm just hanging around the house and watching movies, I'm gonna go to Fat Town and I'm gonna eat tons of grass-fed beef and it's gonna be cooked in butter with Brussels sprouts. And then if I'm gonna be the next day doing a really hard CrossFit workout, then I'm like, okay, I know I'm gonna fuel up on X, Y, and Z sometimes that's not so paleo foods and sometimes it is paleo foods but balance is key
1: totally yeah that's exactly what i would do too i mean it's all relative to your energy i mean and your activity for the day i mean if you think about it carbs are just a readily available fuel and it's most readily available fuel glucose production that's why your body loves it to use for immediate energy but Um, otherwise your body can make energy out of everything, out of fats, out of carbs, out of even proteins. So, um, yeah, there's there's no problem with, with reducing carbs or fat for a period of time, you know, relative to your activity level for the day.
0: I have a question then, and this is kind of going on, Um, this is just something that I've been wondering. It's a complete tangent. But, you know, you said earlier that when you're eating high fat and then low carb, it's great for leaning out type of goals and, like, you know, losing some body fat. But from my experience of what I've seen, especially with women, and I've had this discussion with a few people, and they've kind of seen this as well. I don't know if you you think this way, but a lot of times it doesn't really work that way with women. I mean, whenever they go – really low carb and higher fat, many times that does not get them physically where they want to be. And I know every single body is different, but I'm curious, have you ever seen that happen like that? Or is it generally always, in your experience, people get pretty lean pretty fast when they're eating high-fat, low-carb women, necessarily? Um,
1: I think we need to look at how much weight needs to be reduced. Women, um, if we're talking about like pretty obese, uh, I don't think high-fat, low-carb is necessary. Um, there is just so much ground that can be covered just by eating just a little bit less. Um, I think the, the low-carb approach is really beneficial for when you're getting in, getting into, the like, single-digit body fat territory for men and, you know, the closer to the 11 or 12% range for women, you know, um, but aside from that, you know, no, I don't know. I haven't really seen any, uh, seen a backfire, I guess. Um, it's all, it's really hard to say because it depends. Like what do you mean by low carb? I mean, low carb can be (laughs) 50 grams of carbs to be low for someone. Whereas, you know, maybe one fifty is like considered low for someone else. Mm,
0: You know? Yeah. I think I was talking more about like 30 grams, like ultra low.
1: Oh yeah, no, I don't even touch that. <laughs>
0: okay, awesome. I don't
1: even I don't get anyone down there. I don't even put anyone below 100, really.
0: Oh great! I, okay. I just
1: don't think it's necessary. Um, you know, I always say eat as, eat the most amount of carbs you can while making progress because you know that's it's just not necessary to you know put yourself through I guess that much more pain uh, than you know than you need to you know. Now, wherever that number is, you know, it's all about self-experimentation. Some people can get significant progress on, you know, just eating 150 grams if that's what, you know, they they call low-carb, whereas other people might need, you know, closer to, you know, 120, 110, 100, you know. So Mm
0: -hmm. it's really... I think uh, I think we just demonstrated something pretty important, too. Like, low-carb is very different for everybody. I mean, it can be very lost in translation. So if you're ever listening to someone talking about how they're low-carb, like, before you just assume you know what number they're at, like, ask them and understand, because low-carb can mean many different things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um.
0: Okay, so... We're coming up here on the hour, and I really wanted to get to a quote that you had written that I really loved. Um, of course, it was through my stalking, but on Twitter, you had said, um, social media, Twitter, is a double-edged sword. It's great if you can help you feel supportive and motivated to hit your goal, but it can be bad and backfire when we focus on thin inspiration photos of super lean girls. This is not conductive to our goals. It gives a false perception of reality that damages your self-esteem when you compare yourself to them. And lastly, it throws the concept of healthy eating and exercise out the window. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love, 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 love that. <laughs> it's so true, and it's like what I've been saying all along. Social media... While it can be great and you can have support there and you can meet amazing people, like I met you through social media and I've met a lot of other inspirational individuals, you can also use it against yourself whenever you're purposely following accounts and following people that make you feel like you're any less than who you are and any less wonderful and make you feel bad about the progress you're making because you don't look like them or you don't have the life that they have. And I think it's so important to realize if social media is taking control of your thoughts and making you feel negative to get rid of it. And you seem to like really understand that too, which is awesome.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I know it's, uh, there's So much information, you know, out there, you know, and people just try to steer you in one direction and, you know, make you think differently about diet and food and fitness and, you know, having a perfect body. And it's like, you know, too much is never a good thing, really. So it's like if it's if you're getting too many mixed messages from being on Twitter, and Instagram, then just like delete your account, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. Or at least unfollow people that are um, not making you feel like the best version of yourself and go follow some people that are inspiring you and actually helping you with your health and fitness goals.
1: Yeah, so that's really what I would rather see rather than just <laughs> deleting your account.
0: Okay, so uh, last question for you is if you could give someone one tip for strengthening their mind-body connection, what would that be?
1: Oh boy, you know, um, it, it, I think it relate. Really, actually, it kind of goes back to what you were saying before um, earlier um, about stress and eating. Uh, I say this a lot because I think it's really, I think it's really important. Now, when we eat like you know this massive brownie sundae or this half the cheesecake, you know. It's like we enjoy it and then like ten minutes later we feel guilt and regret and we're like, Oh my god, I'm gonna gain all this fat now and then we kinda have all the stress built up and our cortisol levels raised and you know and then we have negative emotions and we, you know, cry about about it and then develop maybe an eating disorder and you know, bulimia. Who knows? You know, it's like I you know, I'm not saying that You know, it's bad to happen once, but if it happens chronically and over and over that you're eating and regretting it and stressing out about it, then that's a problem. And then that's when I came up with this thought that stressing about eating a particular food is going to cause more problems than the actual food itself, at least in the long term, not acutely, because... Cortisol, you know, is a player in it, in stress, and stress is, <laughs> stress just ruins everyone's life because we're all in a world of stress, you know, and stress isn't good for anyone in high long-term amounts. So to enhance your body-mind connection, it's just chill out, relax, take a deep breath, enjoy what you're going to eat. And then just move on. That's it. It's all you can do. You know, if you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, enjoy the life that you live. Enjoy it with the people you're with. And that's all you have to do. You know, everything will be much better in the end if you just let things move as they may. So that's that's my thoughts on that.
0: Such good advice. I love it. Thank you so much. And thank you for being on the Mind Body Musings podcast. I will be sure to have your links um, and where people can find you and reach you on the show notes at mindbodymusings.com. And I'm definitely gonna have to have you on the show sometime again. So thank you so much.
1: This was really cool. I I loved it. Thank you for having me on.
0: My pleasure. Bye, Justin. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening, friends. I'm Maddie Moon, and you have been enjoying the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to rate and review it in the iTunes store as well as subscribe. Also, please remember I'm glad to continue the conversation on my website, mindbodymusings.com, where you can also sign up for my free ebook. How to Love Your Body Again, 10 Easy Steps to Stop Sacrificing and Start Living. I created this book to help everyone that struggles with body image, dieting, overtraining, and negative self-esteem to learn how to not only accept who you are, but love who you are. This is coming from an ex-fitness model and bikini competitor, so trust me, I know what it's like to have those struggles and to want to be rid of them. So please, if any of that sounds good, head on over to moonfitness.net and sign up. Thanks for listening.